Scripture this morning is taken from Philippians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 11. It is commonly known as the Christ Hymn. We believe, New Testament scholars have determined that The words that we read this morning, particularly beginning around verse 6, were words that were sung. Of course, they would have been in Greek, would have been sung, or perhaps Aramaic, but would have been sung in churches, the earliest churches, as a regular part of their worship service. Uh, a confession, if you will. We, uh, we attempt to do somewhat uh, uh, a similar thing in this congregation. And you perhaps will pick up on the language, particularly at the end of the Christ hymn. When we sing, He is Lord, at the end of our service, those words are taken from the second chapter of Philippians, uh, these 11 verses. So when we sing... Perhaps there is some kind of spiritual connection going on through the power of the Holy Spirit with our brothers and sisters who were in the earliest churches that worshipped Jesus Christ. Because we believe that the Christ hymn was sung in the earliest worship services, most scholars... In fact, it's an almost uh, universal agreement, which you very rarely get with uh, folks that are studying the New Testament. But most scholars believe that these were words that Paul would have heard over the course of his ministry, early on in his ministry, and in his, his encounter with some Christian communities that already existed that Paul would have experienced this song in worship service. So he uses it here in this letter to the Philippians. I believe, or I'd like to believe anyway, perhaps because he'd already sung it with these folks when he visited with them. And who knows, he may have been the one that taught it to them. That's all speculation on on my part, but these are things that wander through my mind as I'm preparing for Sunday mornings. That Paul had a deep connection beyond the power of the theology of these words, a deep connection personally with this church that he was writing to. And he wanted them to recall and remember a song perhaps that they had sung together when he was there. Paul, of course, is writing from prison when he writes these words to the Philippian church. So here are these words from the second chapter of Philippians. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing 
from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And here's where the song begins. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, being humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also, therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is God's word. For us this morning. Well, as I kind of expand on this and preach this, I'm going to do something that that uh, most homiletics professors tell you not to do. Uh, I'm going to go through, uh, regard, and refer to Scripture in other places in the New Testament. Uh, I'm not going to tell any funny stories, at, at least not intentionally, and. Uh, and try to be uh, to try for this to be a, a good teaching moment. Now, the reason you're told not to uh, be that uh, the words uh, homiletics professors use it didactic is uh, because of the fear of people going to sleep on you and the uh, concern that uh, without the narrative kind of uh, things that typically take place and in most sermons and in many of my sermons, that people will lose interest. So you might ask, well, why in the world are you doing this then? Well, I'm doing it because I think it's important. I think it's important that you know some of the very deep, deep things, deep meaning that this hymn has. First of all, the the hymn, the, the words that we just read, speak about obedience, Christian obedience. Being obedient as Christ was obedient. Obedience must be understood then as a response to God's grace rather than a set of rules. So, in Matthew, the 12th verse, or the 12th chapter, beginning at the 9th verse, there's a story that Jesus tells, or that Matthew tells about Jesus. Uh, in that story, Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath. Uh, during Jesus' time, that was considered work. And you didn't do any work on the Sabbath, even healing work. And so Jesus was called to account by religious leaders. Don't you know that you're not supposed to do these kind of things? You've got to follow the rules. You've got to do what the uh, religious community has said 
uh, must be done. And if you don't do that, if you don't follow the rules, then you're in uh, violation of the principles of the values of the religious community. Well, Jesus in this short story says, well, what's more important? People are rules. You know, for God, it's people that count. For God, we're to love. God tells us that there's no higher, higher thing, there's no greater thing than we can do to be close to God than to love other people the way God loves them. Even if it's a person that uh, we may not agree with. Even if we, it's a person that we may believe is violating the rules. Jesus says there is nothing more important than loving others. And so obedience, Christian obedience, is a response to God's grace. Are we gracious people? Grace-filled people? Rather than a set of rules. The second thing that, that the words that we just read in Philippians point us to is The response that we are called to make is the response made by Christ. That Christ was obedient even to the point of death. The response that we're called to make to God is that same kind of uh, response of obedience. So in John 15, the 12th and 13th chapter, Jesus says to us, by way of helping us understand our response. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Grace-filled people love one another. That's emphasized uh, as as strongly as Jesus could possibly emphasize it in each and every one of the Gospels. As strongly as Paul could point to that, The response that we're called to make is to love one another without condition. There is no, I will love you if you do this. If you do this, if you follow my set of instructions, if you live up to my standard, then you're worthy of my love. Guess what, folks? None of us under that kind of thinking is worthy of God's love because none of us measure up to what God's standard is for each of us. But there's another uh, good news in that. Another guess what? God loves us anyway. And through Jesus Christ, God demonstrates that love. Well, the third thing, We can make that response because we are in Him. We are in Christ. Don't think, don't be so prideful, remember humility here, that you you, uh, don't don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can do that on, on your own, that it's a logical process. I will just, you know, I know I'm supposed to, love is, is, 
what God calls me to do. So therefore, I will, you know, I'll think my way through this. Though, we recognize that we're able to make those kind of responses. Because Christ is in us. We're new creations in Christ. And there are a lot of times in our life where we need to get in touch with that new creation. The image of Christ in us. And let the light shine through us. And ask for God's strength. If all this stuff was self-evident, if all this stuff was easy, there wouldn't be so much stuff in the Bible written about it telling us that we need to be mindful of it. The only way that we can possibly approach what God wants us to do is to remember that Christ is living in us and to draw on that strength and that power and to do some things that we know that that we personally don't want to do but we also know that God may be calling us to do. Ask ourselves, well, where can I find the strength to do that? And it's in Christ. Because we are in Him, we are one community rooted in selfless love and concern for others. So in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 6, Paul talks about what that looks like. That we're one body, one spirit, we're called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, service for Christian unity that we will have this Tuesday is a small step, is an attempt to remind ourselves that any church, any church needs to be reminded, this church needs to be reminded, that we are Christians only, but we're not the only Christians. churches all over this community, all over this country, all over this world. They may see see things slightly uh, with uh, you know slightly through slightly different lens, but we're one church. You know what gets us in trouble? Go back to number one. We're more interested in the rules than we are in God's grace. Keeping the rules. Because we are in Christ. We're one community. One church. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. The result then of our obedience. Our response is. Is powerful witness. So in Matthew the fifth chapter. 14 and 15. Jesus doesn't say, as he does in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus says to us, to you, you're the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a bushel basket. Who does that? Who lights a lamp in the darkness and then covers it up? Jesus says, let your light shine 
before others so that they can see that light, Christ's light in you. You see, Christian faith is personal. It's deeply personal. Your confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And the God who loves us so much that he sent Christ to us. Christian faith is personal. But it's not private. It's not to be kept to yourself. It's not just for you to treasure and to hold. It is a treasure, but it is a treasure to be shared. To be given away. Let your light shine. Christian faith is personal. But it's not private. What we believe is revealed in the way we behave. And whatever we do is a proclamation of the gospel that we believe. So we go forth with humility and hope. We, we go remembering the words of Francis Assisi. Let your life every day be a sermon. Every day. Let your life be a sermon. And if you must, use words. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for for good news, for good words to us as your church. Lord, may we be faithful in our attempt to serve Jesus Christ in this community and beyond this community. Lord, let our light shine through. God, help us to claim the power that is within us in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be grace-filled. Lord, help us to love as you loved. For it's in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of commitment.